Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 4 of the BIHO and we've got a, quite a jam-packed show for you this week. Nottingham Panthers Director of Hockey, Guillaume Doucette, talks about what's happening at his club and what it was like to be on the bench in their recent game against the Coventry Blaze. We also have Tristan Keck of Coventry Blaze telling us about what it's like to be playing here after a year of difficulty. Plus we have Sheffield Steelers' very own Bulldog, Jason Hewitt, telling us what it's like to be back with the Steelers and playing alongside Liam Kirk. Listeners to our audio podcast should listen out for an exclusive interview with Guildford Flames Chief Operating Officer Kirk Humphreys about their decision to sit out the Elite Series. But now it's time for the first interview. Here's Guillaume Doucette. Guy, welcome to the BIH show. Good to have you on board. As we record, it's Tuesday morning. It's the morning after the 4-3 win over the Manchester Storm. You're starting a bit of run there. Three wins in four, six, sorry, seven points is out of eight. Things just a little bit rosier in the Panthers' garden this morning? Yeah, for sure. When the, when the results comes our way, it's, it's always a bit better. Um, I thought early on in the series, we, we did play some good hockeys, but there was a lot of holes in our, in our game. Uh, there was a lot of areas that we we didn't really uh, we we were not on the same page and it cost us some big points early on. Uh, so yeah, since since last week, early last week, we st- things started to click a little bit, um, and it's definitely nice for the confidence, you know, to to finish. Or it's not over yet. There's still three games to go, but you know, to to keep improving and hopefully finish on a, on a positive. And I know as well you've had maybe one or two injuries that have maybe kept guys out for the odd game here and there. I think Mark Garside was probably the most serious one. He's missed a couple of games in the series. How much has that impacted on the team and, and dare I say, the performances as well at times? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very intense series with a lot of games and not too many nights. Um, it's no secret that we don't have that much depth on D. Um, so a guy like, like Mark not being able to play really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help our game, that's for sure. 
And we had other guys that step up and, and it was it was good for the other guys to get big minutes, you know, for a guy like Liam Stenton to, to get a bit more ice time. Uh, we saw Robert Lakovich play a few shifts on D there one night. You know, that's that was good experience and, and, and we found a way to, to make it work. But obviously in a series like this, I think staying healthy and everybody being able to chip in is a big key of, you know, who's going to end up winning this thing is probably going to be the team that, you know, stays healthy the most. Absolutely. And you talk about who's going to win this thing. We're, we're no clearer to find out who that's going to be. The standings at the moment show Sheffield and Coventry on 10 points. You guys in Manchester on nine as well. From a neutral point of view, as someone watching from afar, it certainly looks very exciting. What's it like to be to be in the thick of it, as it were? Oh, it's, it's so much it's so much fun to be back at it. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's got a, a pretty good team. Um, and we've seen recently that, you know, if you don't have a, a good performance on one night, you most likely will lose the game. Um, that's what's happening. And, and it's good. I think it's good for the series. It's good for the fan. It makes for an exciting product. Um, and, and I think, you know, it shows that the guys that are there care and, and they, they, you know, they, they are there for the right reasons. And I think that's why we have a, a, a very uh, tight series so far. I'm keen to know as well, obviously, the fixtures have been coming thick and fast. We've seen that over the last week now. It's pretty much a game a day right up until, I think, Friday off the top of my head. So how much has time management become a real factor in how you prepare for games? Because obviously you've got to practice, you've got to work on what systems you can, not to mention the guys need the rest as well. How do you factor all that in with such a, in such a short space of time? Yeah, it was a different challenge for, for myself and Tim in terms of preparation. Um, you know, we try to get a few good hard practice early on in the series, uh, but I would say for the last two weeks now, it's been mostly, you know, like quick skate just to get a little flush, get the, the, the legs going. But there's not many, um, there's no, no more hard practices at this point. Uh, when we do get on the ice, we will make a few adjustments system wise and, and work on that. Um, but for the most part, it's been, you know, focusing on recovery. Um, a lot of the teaching and a lot of preparation is, is being done, you know, uh, virtually uh, via video because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot for the guys to always be um, at the ring together and, and they, they, they play enough games. We don't, we don't think it's the best idea to get them at the ring to show them video or, or get them on the ice to, 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 to work on a few things. So most of our practices have been um, optional on, on a day after a game. And some guys do jump on because they feel like they need that. But um, yeah, key, key is, is recovery and, and rest at this point. I want to ask you about earlier in the tournament, there was a game Tim had to miss out on because he was self-isolating because of the, there was an issue with someone on his flight to the, to the UK. Therefore, you had to, to step up and stand behind the bench. As far as I'm aware, that was your, your first experience of doing that. How did you find it? It was, in, it was interesting. I mean, you know, I was, I was nervous, I won't lie. Um, but as the game went on, you know, I've, I've been on a bench myself as a player for, for many games. So you, you kind of it click right away how it was going to go. And I think I, I, I think I did OK. Um, but, yeah, it's not something I, I want to be doing too often. But it was a good experience. And I definitely got to see, you know, the game from there. I obviously played the game. But um, when I watch, I'm usually, you know, higher I watch on, on video so it's hard to sometimes see what's happening um, in some corners or some what's happening on the bench so it, it was a good experience I think it's something that uh, maybe in the future I, I'm not saying I want to be behind the bench but maybe in the future for for a few games here and there I'll, I'll try to get closer to the action uh, closer to the guys to see what I can pick up from from that angle. 
And of course, you have mentioned the fact that you've played the game, so you know what it's like on the bench. But from that position as well, how much of a different dimension did it give you into the coach's line of work, if we can call it that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it opens your eyes on how quick things happen in a game when you have to make decisions. Um, when you're a player and you're in the game, you 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 obviously focus on your game um, more. So when you're coaching and you have to focus on 20 guys or 22 guys, um, it's sometimes hard, you know, in, in a fraction of a second to make a decision like who's going or what are we changing and, and things like that. So I, I've always known that coaching was was a was a tough a tough gig. Um, but it was good. I think it was good that I experienced it. And I think Tim, Tim learned also from, you know, watching a game live from his hotel room on the computer. He, he probably saw things that he doesn't see usually because he watches the game the next day or the, ne- the same night. But it already happened. Right. It's not uh, it's not live when he watches a game. So I think it was it was good for both of us to, to see that. And um, obviously we didn't get the result we wanted that night. But. Um, I think we, we we probably learned from that experience. Now, when I look at the other three teams, Danny Stewart, Ryan Finnerty, Aaron Fox are all coaches as well as GMs. But as you and Tim have sort of split the role up, basically, I'm keen to know about the dynamic between you two guys, particularly on, on match day. How does it work? I know you work closely when it comes to recruitment, but when it comes to game day, tell us about that. Give us some insight into that relationship and how, how the two of you work together. Uh, well, this year it's a bit different because we 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 lost Rick Strachan to re- recruitment uh, to retirement. Sorry. Um, so on game day, I'm 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 there to maybe let him bounce ideas off me. You know, most of most of the, most of the decisions are made before the day of the game, but sometimes on game night there's little tweaks, little adjustment, little things that he wants to discuss, and I'm there to give him my opinion and and um, maybe just be a you know, uh, another another voice for him uh, when it comes to, to ideas and, and line matching, line combination, power play combination and, and things like that. Um, he, he has the last call. It's his, you know, it's his decision. I'm not going to tell him what to do, but I obviously, I obviously give him my opinion. And um, we work well together. Most of the time we agree on, on, on what's the best way forward for the team. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there mostly to make sure everything goes smoothly. I'm there if, if anybody need my help, you know, in the staff or with the players. Um, and in terms of coaching, I leave that to Tim most, uh, for most, for the most of it. Now going back to last Friday, you, you finally got one over on Sheffield Steelers. You finally managed to get a victory over them. How much did you need that given the way the tournament had gone and particularly in light of the, the 8-4 defeat in the, the previous game against them? Oh, it was good for confidence. Um, to be honest, I thought the first game we played against them would deserve better. Uh, we lost that one by a goal, but you know, we I thought we had uh, a lot of good chances. We had a lot of uh, puck possession in the O zone. We didn't give them too much. They were really opportunistic that night. Um, so yeah, that second game against them, it, it, it was disappointing. But you know, in hockey, it happens. It's one of those days where one of those nights where everything went the wrong way for us. Uh, but it was good for, for, for the team um, just to be able to get a result. So now that we know that if we play well um, and everybody chips in, we have a chance to beat them. We can beat them. We've, we've, we've proven that. So, so that was definitely good for their confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, if for once in, in British hockey, for, for the first time ever, maybe the last time ever, at this point of the tournament, the results don't matter that much, which it's never the case, right? Um, so we have the luxury to, to try things and maybe um, give a little bit more 
uh, experience a little bit more than, than we would normally on, on a regular season where every night is, is a must win. Now, you've always said um, all through the recruitment process that this was an opportunity for not only players to impress you guys, but for you guys to maybe look at recruitment for a new season, hopefully all going ahead. How much of an idea are you getting of, of who you would like to bring in next year? I think the one player in your team that won't be coming back next year is Austin Cangelosi. I believe he's returning to Norway. But how much are you getting an idea of who you would like to bring in for next year if it happens? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think, you know, most of the guys, we, we have a good idea of what they can bring, what kind of players, what kind of persons they are. Um, and now we just have to figure out when we can actually start, you know, making decisions. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think most of the guys have, have, have shown what they've got. And it was, it was a really good opportunity for, for both us and them to, to see that firsthand. Um, we'll, see, we'll see in the next few weeks where, where this takes us. But I think for the most part, me and Tim have a, have a good idea of, of, of what, we, what will be happening with this current team. Guy, thank you so much for joining us on the BIH. Good to catch up with you. Best of luck for the rest of the games. Thanks, Greg. Guillaume Doucette of the Nottingham Panthers. Our next guest is a man who's taken the competition by storm, leading the scoring charts at the time of recording on the back of some very impressive displays, and he's very fast on his skates as well. Danny Stewart is a big fan of him, and he's here as a first-year pro after quite a year due to the coronavirus pandemic. Earlier this week, I caught up with Coventry forward Tristan Keck to find out all about him. Tristan, first year pro, and you're doing really well with Coventry Blaze right now. 14 points in eight games. This pro game must be quite easy for you so far. <laughs> no, we uh, got a great system here. We got great coaching staff, been put with great line mates, and so they definitely deserve uh, most of the credit, that's for sure. Tell us about what it's been like for you the last year. Presumably turning pro this year was always your plan, but it's not maybe fair to say it's maybe not quite happened the way you would have liked. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting season for everybody, that's for sure. I mean, with COVID and the way things ended uh, in college as well, um, you didn't really know what to expect. And going into, uh, I guess, this year, obviously something would have been nice. Anything would have been nice to play. And uh, very fortunate that this started up and Danny was uh, was able to give me a chance here. And yeah, I'm very fortunate for that. Was coming to the UK an option for you when you first looked into your, your first steps in your pro career? Is it just something that's happened the way it has? No, definitely. I've always wanted to, to come over to Europe and play. I feel that my, my style would kind of uh, work well here. And um, yeah, I think UK was definitely an option for sure. Um, I, honestly, with the way things were going, I was looking for anything, as I mentioned. And so, yeah, I'm just very, very fortunate and very glad to, to be here. So what, what did you do over the months in between? Did you get yourself a job or did you just have to sit out and just wait and see? Yeah, thankfully, my dad owns a business back in our hometown. And so I was able to put in hours there and um, just working out, staying in shape. I was uh, just always kind of working out as if, as if a call was coming the next day. I kind of had that approach to it. So I was always staying in shape, uh, getting into the gym. And I actually, we had a, an ice little, little mini rink built in our front yard. It was cold enough to do that. And so I was able to skate when everything was closed in Manitoba. So I was always able to stay in shape and be uh, almost game ready. So that was huge. 
And how did you stay positive? I've spoke to many guys who, you know, over the last year, for whatever reason, haven't been able to skate or get the ice time. How do you stay positive in such a, a testing time? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge for sure. I mean, like I said, I always kind of had that that mindset where the phone call was going to come, you know, and so that kind of that helped me that helped me to stay motivated for sure. And so it was definitely challenging. Definitely days were a lot harder than than some, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good just keeping yourself going with being able to work out. Like I said, I was fortunate that gyms and some ice uh, arenas were open. And so that made it a lot easier for me. I know a lot of guys here who weren't able to to get into a gym or get on the ice. And so I was definitely fortunate with that. So how do you feel you've integrated with your, your teammates over here? You know, I think the results and certainly your record still speaks for itself. How, how do you find playing with the guys that you're playing with? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I've definitely, you know, it's it's a lot more fun than I've had in past years of hockey. I'm just enjoying myself out there. Um with uh, with Danny as a coach, he kind of says, you know, he wants his players to just almost play freely, you know, like offensively and stuff. He just lets you play, which is huge. And definitely having the confidence of him and my line mates and stuff is huge as well. But we got a great core here. We got a great, uh, great leadership group. And yeah, just the guys as well on the team, everybody kind of gelled really quickly. And we've been able to spend a lot of time together in the, the hotel here. And it's just just been a lot of fun hanging around with them. How are you finding that the schedule of the games? It seems to be getting more and more full on as we go. Obviously, we're a couple of weeks away from what will be the playoff situation as well. How, do you, how are you finding the schedule again, considering you've not played for so long? Yeah, I mean, it definitely benefited me that I was able to get on the ice uh, quite a bit of times before coming here. But, um, I mean, after going with, with no hockey for a year, it's nice to be able to play as many games as possible. That's that's the way I'm kind of looking at it right now, but I know that uh, the muscles do get a little bit sore with the amount we're going, but uh, the coaching staff, training staff here has been good and looking after us, giving us rest and stuff like that. And so I'm just happy to play, to be honest. And of course, what, what have you made of the season so far, the teams you've played against? How much have you enjoyed being part of it? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the competition's been good. Uh, there's a lot of veterans in this league for sure. On our team, you know, my line mate, Mike Hammond, he's definitely has a lot of pro experience. Our goaltender, Owen, yeah, I mean, some great talent in here. But uh, I just, yeah, like I've said, been fortunate to have great line mates. And we've definitely uh, gelled really quickly. So it's been awesome. So any thoughts to the future? And hopefully, maybe from the UK point of view, next year, have you thought about what you're going to do next? I haven't given it too much thought. No, I'm just trying to approach it one day at a time and do, uh, I mean, the, obviously the goal right now is to, to win the series here. And so that's where my mind's at right now. And then after, I, I'm sure things will, will work out. So, Coventry Blazers, Tristan Keck on the BIH show. Well, if Tristan's making his first steps on his career journey, then a man who's been down this well-worn path before is coming up next. It's Jason Hewitt, of course, the Sheffield Steelers veteran, back with the club five years since he last played with them. He has, of course, been working in the NIHL in recent years as the player coach of Hull Pirates, as well as the Sheffield Steel Dogs in the mini-tournaments earlier this year. But I caught up with Jason to find out who the body's faring with such a punishing schedule and how he feels to be back wearing orange. 
Hughie, welcome to the BIH show. Good to have you on board this week. Now, if I told you a year or two ago you'd be back playing for the Sheffield Steelers, what would you have told me? <laughs> yeah, that's already crazy. It's uh, it's been a crazy old year, and it just keeps getting a little stranger, doesn't it? Um, but no, it's uh, it's worked out nice. It doesn't feel to be back wearing the orange again, a club you served for for so long and and with distinction as well. Yeah, it, it feels natural now. I'd say the foot. Probably only the first day when you're kind of walking in with your bag, it felt a little, a little strange. And um, obviously, I've been dealing dealing with them for, with work for for a while, so it felt kind of like I was there on that basis. And then, but once I was on the ice, it it felt kind of natural, and it's uh, it's been yeah, it's been pretty smooth. Excellent. How much are you enjoying playing in this series right now? It's been, as you say, it's been quite a year. There's been many tournaments, really, just to kind of plug the gap a little bit. How much are you enjoying being part of this one right now? Yeah, I, I know going into it, I was um, I was a little apprehensive. I think just didn't know if I'd sort of I'd, I'd had my time and whether I should just leave it at that. But I think um, with the Spring Cup just recently happening and stuff like that, and feeling good in that, I think um, I wanted a, a challenge. And obviously playing against those a few of those GB guys in the Spring Cup, I think gave me that taste that you know to try and see if I could still do it at this at this level albeit as a, a reduced import level for this it's still a very high standard of hockey and um i'm definitely glad i did i'd, I'd have been kicking myself if i didn't uh, go for it so the body's holding up well then that, that must obviously be pleasing for you given the, the amount of games that are coming so thick and fast right now yeah it's, all, it's holding up all right it's a few niggles like anything when you're playing every other day it's it's gonna happen but um feel good feel feel like I'm contributing and, and doing my part and I'm getting great opportunity with great players so um, yeah it's been it's been great When you look at it obviously you've played the last four or five years with, with Hull as well as being a coach this year obviously you've played with the Steel Dogs in the streaming series and the, the Spring Cup so it feels as though you, you've had time to adjust to the, the this increase in level as you go is that a fair comment? Yeah I think um <sighs> The, the the other levels allowed me to to work on some elements of my game that I, I probably didn't get a chance to while I was in the elite league. You know, with high level of imports and um, not much power play time, limited to a degree, limited ice time, and I think being able to play so much in the last few years as I, f- I feel as confident as I ever have to be honest. And I'm I'm 37 years old, so maybe that's part of it too, just being older and kind of realizing, you know. As serious it is, it is just a game and you've got to enjoy it. So um, that's where I'm at in sort of in my life and, and career of hockey is just trying to enjoy every moment. You know, it's not going to last forever. And I think that's something this last year particularly has really taught us that, um, you know, it could be gone at any time. So just trying to play with a smile on my face and um, enjoy it, really. Do you find you enjoy it more now because you're that bit older? You, you, there's maybe an appreciation more of it than, than what there was maybe 10 years ago, for example? Probably, yeah. I think, you know, like I say, I'm 37 now. I know, you know, maybe not so much 10 years ago, I was taking it pretty serious then. But I think before that, it was more like I didn't see it being a, a forever thing. Um, but obviously, it's it's been the best part of over half of my life has been about hockey now. And um, But I think when you do get older and you start seeing the time ticking, I think you, you do start appreciating things a little more and the the things you've done and I know 
I'm hopefully got a couple of years left there just to to enjoy it. But I know looking back, like you do, you do definitely take it for granted at times, and um, you definitely shouldn't because time time waits for nobody, and it, it just soon flies by. Ain't that the truth? But uh, as we record, eight points in the nine games so far. We're speaking after the the game against Coventry, and um, what would have been on Tuesday night. I mean, that's a good return for you know for someone who's been out of the this elite league scene for the last five years. How pleased are you with that so far? Yeah, I'm definitely happy that it has, to a degree, translated points wise. That I think that was something that I was kind of keen to see if I could could produce it at this level and um, like I say I, I can really only uh, say that's the opportunity I've been given I've been given good ice time um, and I'm one of the power play units which has helped um, but yeah I just think it, it's the same, it's same for anyone and going back to talking about when I was sort of there 10 years ago um, I probably wasn't getting the opportunities that I am now during this series um, and it's the same for any any player and I know there's been a lot of talk about import levels and stuff at the at the moment and young British players, but um, you know those players need to get opportunities, and then when you are given those, you've got to take your chance. And I think that's something I've managed to do here. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, but to answer your original question, I had eight points in in nine games. I think it is. I had a snatch your hand off. Uh, the results had been going well. You'd picked up a couple of heavy victories along the way, a couple of defeats prior to the, the game against Coventry. How much did that uh, give you all collectively a, a bit of a, dare I say, a kick up the backside that you, you know you're not going to stroll this thing? Yeah, I think we. I wouldn't say we needed it. I think we were we're a pretty humble group, but we were we were doing a lot of damage, so it's easy to get sort of comfortable and complacent. But um, certainly. Came down with a bit of a bang in the Nottingham game in the first period. Um, give ourselves a, a bit too much to do there. But I think other than that, I think even that game, I think after the first period, we probably dominated the, the most part of that game. And then the Manchester game, I'd say we had we had the, a lot of opportunities that, that just didn't go. And you, you're going to have patches like that, especially in a, in a quick-fire tournament like this. But we're, we're a confident group. Obviously, our, our goaltending has has made it a little more challenging with, with all due respect to the, the guys that are in that they're both first year pros and um so we're having to we're good enough to protect them which is good. Um but I think we just gotta be a little smart with things like staying out of the box and stuff like that and and make sure we're helping them in that way and I think we'll have every chance to to win it. Now you've worked with a fair few coaches through the years, Huey. How does Aaron Fox compare? What tell us a bit about his methods, maybe compared to what you've been used to in the past? Yeah, I mean, obviously my short experience, I, I knew him a little bit to talk to in the gym and stuff um the past year or so, but he's he's an honest guy and like I say, he's but he's given me great, great opportunity. Um I think that the most refreshing thing for me when you're comparing to coaches from my past with the Steelers and stuff like that is he wants you to make plays and, and, you know, kind of gives you that freedom, sort of the red line in. And, and that's a big relief for me because I know in previous years, if I didn't get the red and, and chip it in and go make a hit and, and stuff like that, my minutes would be reduced. So to come in and, and be able to sort of have that freedom and, and make plays is, is a big relief. And um, I've enjoyed it. He's an honest guy wants to play fast and 
I'm not the fastest player, but um, he wants to get on the offense as quick as possible, and 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 I like that style. And yeah, he's. I think for me, it's it, it's a short sample, but I think he's great. I think he's a great coach. And I've got to ask you about Liam Kirk as well. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Very humble, you know, nice kid, really nice guy. What's it like to play alongside him, given the improvement we've seen in him in, in the last uh, the last year or two? You played with him in the, the Spring Cup as well. Now he's alongside you in the Steelers lineup. How good can he be? Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad he was humble with you guys because he's he's, uh, he's definitely a cocky little rat when he's around me. But um, <laughs> no, he's he's a fantastic player, and um, you know we've seen him on and off a little bit the last couple of years during summers and stuff. But he's he's taken it to another level and. And just through work rate, really, he just works so hard on his game and, and the things that he's added to his bag is, you know, he's, he's sort of an import level player and at the age of 21 in, in our league now. So I'm hoping that, you know, this this COVID situation doesn't affect his, his path too much and he can, whatever he's going to do next, I think um, it'd be nice to see him go somewhere and, and do some damage somewhere else. I mean... This this will always be here for him, but it'd be nice to, to see him really take it to another level and and sort of continue to lay the path for other players. Now we're about a week or so away from the, the end of the, the elite series, maybe a couple of weeks actually, just when I look at the date there. Three regular season games to go then and you're in the, the, the sort of playoff setup. What would it mean for you to win another piece of silverware with the Steelers? And what would it mean for the, the club as a whole given the, the year we've all had? Yeah, I think um, you know, as a, as any player, you're going into it uh, anything, trying to trying to win and do your best. Um, obviously, Steelers. That's a it was certainly in my time is, was a pretty good tradition, and um, they've recently, or what you can say, as recent as possible, they've just come off the back of a Challenge Cup as well. So, the organisation makes it pretty clear to everybody as soon as we came in that the the uh, the goal is to win it, and I think they've put the put the players in place that can do that. Um, but yeah, I want every time I go on the ice, it could be a, a scrimmage, a, a practice, whatever it is. I, I like to win. Um, I've become I've been lucky really to become quite accustomed to it. So yeah, it'd be nice to to add another one. Albeit it's a it's a small tournament, it's always a nice feeling. And finally, I've got to ask you. Obviously, we're hoping that we're going to see a full season next year. I think the NIHL, uh, certainly the National League, have certainly committed to one. What's the plan for you, Huey? Are you going to have another crack at the Elite League or is it back to Hull? What, what, are, you, what are you looking at in the, the months ahead? No, yeah, I think um, but there, was ne- there was never a, an aspiration to sort of make another run at the, the Elite League. Yeah, I, I obviously walked away from it for for a job with, with Bauer and... Um, and sort of made a career of this. So um, they've been really good with me and allowing me to, to take the time off, if you like, to to take part in this. But I want I want the goal was come in, give a good show myself, and then, yeah, more, more than likely, unless something crazy happened, is, is go back to the NIHL and and uh, continue that path probably for another couple of years and, and see where we are. Brilliant, Huey. Thank you so much for joining us on the BIH show. Best of luck for the rest of the tournament and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was Sheffield Steelers' Jason Hewitt joining us on the BIH show. Our final guest this week, and this is a podcast extra, 
It's the Chief Operating Officer of Guildford Flames, Kirk Humphreys, joining us to talk about why his team decided to set out the Elite Series and gives us an insight into what it's been like with the club over the last year. Kirk Humphreys here on the BIH Show. Kirk, good to have you on board the BIH Show. Welcome. First of all, I want to ask, how have the last 12 months impacted on the Guildford Flames in particular? Well, it's certainly been a unique 12 months. Uh, I've, I've been doing, I've been with the Flames um, in some kind of administrative capacity for getting on 20 years now. And certainly we've never experienced anything like this. Um, not, not being able to play last summer was a little bit normal because we felt like we were leading up um, to something, I, I guess in retrospect, now you look back and you think, what were we thinking? Thinking that everything would be fine by July or August. Um, so we, we, we've really learned a lot about um, uh, different kinds of things, different ways of not spending any money, uh, being able to be um, in a position where we can get through this and get started when it's, when it's time to get started. So certainly it's been an interesting time, not nearly as busy as we normally are, but still, still a lot of things to try and keep track of to make sure that we're ready to go when the, when the time is right. You mentioned the fact that you were carrying on last year as though there was going to be a season. I think you and a few other um, clubs were behaving the same way. I seem to recall a conversation with Omar Pasha where he said, you know, we have to carry on as normal as though there's going to be a season. Of course, September, the, the season um, was sort of ended before it really started. So when it came to signing those players, what, how important was, was it to stress to the guys that, look, there might not be any action this year, but thanks for coming on board and we'll, we'll, we'll keep you informed. Well, it, it was important to do that, but uh, oddly enough, the players, they, because it was because it happened everywhere, because it was global, players already knew that. Um, it, it was kind of like we, we all started to almost have an instinct for, there's still a lot to be determined here, whether we're actually going to play and proceed with contracts. And I think players knew that. And there was a lot of players themselves would say when they were signing, I, I don't have a guarantee of going anywhere. At the time, the East Coast League in the United States looked like it wasn't going to start at all. Um, a lot of European teams didn't know where they were going to be yet. Um, so no matter who a player had talked to in terms of signing, whether it was us or any team, pretty well anywhere in the world, um, they were on the understanding that this nothing might happen. So you're wherever you sign, you're probably taking a risk of it not happening. So players generally knew that. So it was quite an easy conversation, actually, I think, to have with a lot of guys. Now, over a year on, you know, it's hard to believe that 13 months on, but we're still hoping that we're going to see some kind of action. From a Guildford point of view, how are things looking for what we hope will be a possible return to the Elite League, hopefully, fingers crossed, in September? Yeah, ho hopefully we're going to get started at some sort of reasonably normal start. Certainly things are looking a lot better in the UK, public health-wise. Um, a good job of the vaccine rollout, which is getting it much more under control than, than a lot of other parts in the world. Um, so... We feel a lot more optimistic now than we did uh, back in January in terms of considering possibly a shortened season to get a quick return to play. Um, so things are looking a lot better now. And we're just holding out hope over the next, the coming weeks and, and a couple of months that we will look like we can lock ourselves in for a, a much more normal start than we obviously have been able to do now. Now, we've seen the Elite Series take place this month. The four other English teams, of course, are taking part in that. First of all, what have you, you made of that competition so far? Presumably, you've had a chance to, to get a look at it and, and see what's been happening. Yeah, I, I've seen it. It's been pretty interesting. Um, th those guys, they've done a great job of putting something together. Um, fans will probably never know um, how much, how difficult that was to do exactly what they're doing. 
Uh, they got a lot of people working very hard every day uh, to make sure that that's coming off now and also in the lead up, which was quite a short lead up. It was very difficult to get a team together that quickly. And they just did. I mean, I can't say enough about what a great job they did. Uh, they got some other people like Todd uh, at Cardiff, who's helping out with the tournament. Uh, Luke, who does some marketing for the league, is doing a great job. And Mike uh, Hicks, who's the head of hockey operations, has done a ton of work on all the different aspects of it, including the applications for some funding and things like that. But all the teams, they should be very proud of themselves, the way they've been able to do it. And they're just about to get to the end here. So it's been very good. So we're, we're very impressed with what they've done. Now, taking you back to October, November time, there was the announcement over the winter survival package in which the English, the, sorry, the Elite League rather, stood to obtain £4 million of government funding, which it transpired would only be available for the English clubs, including yourselves. In January, you decided to opt out of that. Why did you do that? Well, what the, the thing that we actually didn't, we never really decided on the event that they're doing now is quite different from what we were evaluating in terms of a return to play. Uh, if, we, if we go back, trying to get my timeline right, if we go back to uh, kind of late October, early November, I think the league and even more than the English teams, we're, we're talking about the possibility of maybe a 12-week season or something like that, maybe January through March, um, trying to do something like that. And we were all in on that. We really wanted to be able to make that happen. Um, again, in retrospect, we, we probably were, were hoping for something that was never going to happen, which was just this whole thing was going to clear itself up and we'd all be ready to go again. Um, so that's really what we, we started looking at was kind of a 12 week season. And that was in probably early November where numbers, um, case numbers were declining and it looked like we were coming out of that first wave. It felt like things were kind of turning themselves around a little bit. So we took a, a fair bit of time, two or three weeks or even, even a month to look at all the different aspects in particular, the health aspect, which was something that was very concerning to us. You have to bring international players over. Um, we had to look at spec from the way the dress rooms are laid out, the benches. Uh, we don't have, we certainly don't have one of the biggest facilities, so there isn't a lot of extra space like there might be in a bigger building like Nottingham or Sheffield. Um, so we looked at all that stuff and we, we had a, a, we talked to an infectious disease expert. We talked to a guy who works at some of our games as the physician. Um, we talked to people who would be doing the testing um, and we'd be paying them for the service of testing. Um, and as right around that time was, sort of when the numbers started to creep up again in early November and then they got really bad in December. And we were doing all this stuff about the health and could we do this? Could we get through the, a season without having a major problem? And even somebody like the testing people who we would be paying for a service were giving us the advice that this probably wasn't the best way to go because it was going to be a, a relatively normal season. If there were five or six teams or whatever it was, we were going to be traveling to each other's rinks, uh, having sort of a, a, as normal a season as possible over 12 weeks. And the, the reports that we got were just, this is not going to be something that you're going to be able to do um, safely and comfortably. And we didn't feel like we would be able to achieve that, particularly with the way that we could lay things out in our building. If we were just having practices for Flames players, we probably could have managed something. But when you start bringing the other team in, they've got a smaller bench than we do. Their dress room's a little bit smaller than ours. We wouldn't have been able to provide any kind of um, comfort for them in terms of coming to our building. And that was one of the big aspects in us in deciding we're not going to be able to take part in that series. Now, again, the context is that we weren't looking at the one that they've done in Nottingham with kind of a semi-bubble arrangement, which makes it a little bit easier to control some of those variables. So we said no to um, a season that was going to be a short version of a normal season where you're traveling back and forth. And we felt that we just wouldn't be able to achieve that. And we're certainly 
even today, even seeing what, what they've done in the elite league, we're perfectly comfortable with the decision we made. But the honest truth is we never even looked at that as an option. By the time that that came around, which was much later, um, maybe January or February, they were looking at that. We'd already decided just to focus on next season. So we were comfortable with where we were at. But was there ever a reconsideration once you knew the new proposal, what it was going to be and what it's obviously turned out to be? Was there ever a, a slight reconsideration that maybe you could take part in it? Or by that, by that point, you had decided not that was it for this season, just concentrate on, on what was coming up? No, we, we had pretty well decided that, uh, that we were moving on to next season. So by the time that came up, we were, we, we'd already really made that decision. We were going down that road. So we were, again, comfortable with where we were at. So I'm going to be cheeky here. So now the competition is well underway. Is there even the slightest pang of regret of what might have been from a Flames point of view? You, you could have been involved in and what's been, a, a, as you say yourself, a good tournament so far? Uh, it's been an excellent tournament. It's been interesting to see some of the things that they're doing there. Um, in terms of regret, honestly, um, no, we don't. Um, it's more a personality thing with me, um, the people in our office, Paul and Rob. We've always, no matter what we've done, we don't we don't spend a lot of time looking looking back on ourselves. Um, we kind of take the idea that you know, as you move forward, the ground behind you kind of disappears, and you, you 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 move that way. So we, we haven't no, we haven't had any regret at all. So we felt comfortable with the decision we made. But obviously, we're very impressed also with what those other teams have been able to achieve. They've done a great job, and, and congratulations to them. And it looks good for the Elite League, and it's great, especially for the GB players who have a chance to have some real competition in their lead-up to getting ready for the World Championships. I asked you earlier about um, sort of how plans are going sort of, um, you know, in the months to come, if you're starting to lay things down. Have you kept tabs on the guys that you kind of signed or looked to sign for last year um, when you, you look ahead to the next few months? Yeah, I've had a little bit of contact with someone. That, that's more Paul's, um, Paul, the head coach, Paul Dixon. That's more his um, area. And we talk to him uh, a couple of times a week. And he's he's kept track on some of them. And he's talked to them and see what they're doing. Um, some of them are, have been overseas. Some of them haven't haven't played uh, this season. Um, so he, he keeps track of that. And and maybe some of those guys will be back. I'm not sure. We haven't really got that far. So there's it's difficult to make any projections on, on that front because it's very early in the game as far as that goes. But certainly he's, he's kept tabs on them and he knows what they're doing and what they're up to and he's been talking to some of them here and there. Final question, how do you see the future of the Elite League going forward? More of a kind of general question. You would imagine there's going to be safety measures in place. We hope by that point you know, that the virus will be well under control, that that might not be as much of a concern. Import levels, um, you know, you may be looking at webcasting. I know that's something that, that Guilford don't do as well. How do you see that the future of the League going forward once we get out of this, this current situation? Well, the good thing is for us, uh, we, we're in a, a really good position to sit this out and wait and until things are ready to go. So we'll be ready to go. And I think that's pretty well across the board. Uh, all the teams are in that kind of position. So I think that we've done a good job of keeping the league intact. So when it is time to go, we'll all be able to get up and running again. Um, it's, it's difficult to say. We, the league hasn't decided exactly how they're going to proceed. I, I think there is a general feel around the league that we, we are very much hoping there, there won't be we, there won't be a need for those controls, social distancing and things like that. Uh, for some buildings, again, like our building, very difficult um, to do that. If, even if they, if they were offering sort of, you could have 50% capacity, uh, but based on social distancing, I don't think we could get even near that at, at Spectrum. I think people would probably more like two or 300 people, which would be very difficult. In a bigger building, you might be able to do that. Um, so we're hoping that by sort of September, October, that some of those controls will be off and we'll be allowed to start to, return to something a little bit more normal. 
and we certainly hope that in the case of our fans, because um, besides the health issue, one of the things that stopped us from doing it was asking ourselves, we, we, we really do this for the fans. Um, as you just mentioned, we don't stream in, at Spectrum. One of the reasons is we don't have the, the infrastructure. The broadband is still copper wire going into the building, um, so it can't deliver a, a, a high-definition um, stream. That's one of the reasons. And uh, thinking of doing ours, our product is having people come to the building and having our fans support us and be a part of the event. And without being able to do that, there's you, you, we would ask ourselves, why, why are we doing that? Because we, we can't do that now. So um, if we can get those controls off and everything can be much better public health-wise, certainly um, if you're asking us today, it's hard to project, but it looks like it might, we might be able to do that. I, I understand that some of those controls may come off in October um, if things keep going the way they're going. And we, if that was the case, then that's a pretty normal start this season. We, we'd be pleased to be able to go that way. Thank you so much for your time on the BIH show. Good to have you on board. Hopefully, we'll be talking again when we've got a season coming in September. That would be very exciting. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. Kirk Humphreys, the Guildford Flames Chief Operating Officer, joining us on the BIH show. That's all from this edition. We hope you've enjoyed it. Big thanks to Guillaume Doucette, Tristan Keck and Jason Hewitt for their time. We'll be back next week with more interviews from the Elite Series and keep up to date with the latest news at the Motor Point Arena and the tournament by going on to britishicehockey.co.uk. We're also on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter at Brit Ice Hockey and also on Instagram. That's all from us this week. Thank you for watching and listening and we'll be back with you next week. Enjoy the hockey and stay safe. Bye for now. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.